So welcome to the podcast, and I'm joined here today by Robbie Hubble, who is the Group Manager Director of the Blythe Group. He also has a number of other business interests, so I'll turn it over to, to Robbie now and give us a bit of an overview of, of yourself and your background. Thank you, Adrian. Well, to be honest with you, Blythe Group is a multifaceted construction company, as we've previously discussed. It has interests in the insurance works, that's fine for the restoration, and then it also has interests in the social housing predominantly on the refurbishment side of things, although we have and do do elements of new build, extensions and traditional new build. So yeah, the construction company as Blythe Group, as you've said, uh, is the main focus, but born out of that really, we've had a couple of development companies that acquire large development sites. So that could be abandoned factories, that could be city centre developments, whatever really. And then we mm-hmm. use that sort of perpetual motion really to feed into the construction company. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, we've also got sort of in the group, but me as a common director, if you like, we've got a recruitment company and my wife and I has an aesthetics company, which is a oh, bit nice. off piece, <laughs> but yeah, so there we are. So entrepreneur with fingers in many different pots, hey? that's, a, that's a good way to uh, keep yourself uh, busy at least, hey? Out of trouble, yeah. So coming back to the, the construction and the, and the built environment space, how did, you, how did you get into that environment in the first place? What was your, what was your entry into it, if you like? From Blythe? Well, you, you personally and into Blythe, yeah. I think, being completely honest, I didn't really want to come into construction. I, I think it was just something that when you leave school, yeah. what do you do? I'll double back onto this a little bit later, but yeah. you know, we do a lot with the schools and academies. And mm. when you're talking to these young, young guys now, they all want to be YouTubers or influencers <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and trying to actually get, the, get them to understand that actually construction in modern civilization is the backbone of most civilization so yeah. if you've got a trade if you've got a if you've got something under your belt you've got a, some form of accreditation or nvq mm. you'll never be without work yeah. and, and that's a good grounding a good foundation excuse the pun but it, you know, it's a good way to start so for me it, it was never really uh, an interest football was my main thing and unfortunately i wasn't good enough at that so I had to fall back onto something and, and my family business you know yeah. my mom and dad have got a small sort of small concern at the time it was called blythe brothers yeah. which then obviously has evolved into this multifaceted company. My brother and I have worked really hard over the last 15 years or so, developing and sort of navigating our way through the 2007 recession, which was fairly difficult. I would say probably yeah. more difficult than, than this, the recession. I felt like, the well, I didn't feel like it. The, the government didn't do much to support the SMEs. Mm. And I think that sort of resonated a little bit more this time. And actually, they, they, they've gone out, out and out now, SME, to support, certainly in this COVID <laughs> situation that we're in right now so yeah that's that's how I've sort of evolved into where I am I, I think do you ever set out when you leave school knowing exactly what you want to do probably not so as you no. could reflect on that maybe Adrian did you want yeah. to be a recruiter no not sure I mean, it's, it's interesting I, I, I absolutely on that point I mean I you know I I've talked to a lot of recruitment consultants and I've been in recruitment for 20 odd years and almost to a person they have they said they've fallen into recruitment you know it's kind of one of those careers that you kind of get as you say, the, the, the idea of a trade, is, it, it is a trade. You can take it around. You can be, I've, I've traveled the world with it. I've, I've really benefited from it over 20 years. I've seen some weird and wonderful parts of the world like Afghanistan and Iraq. And I've also been to places like Australia and the Middle East, which is you know, potentially on people's hot list. But, it's, but it was a career I fell into. It wasn't a career that I set out at, university, at school and went, oh, actually, I'd love to be a, a recruitment consultant because that's never one of those things you kind of you see people asking to be, is it really? But like everything, really, you kind of not, you find a job you not, enjoy and get involved with. It's not really in the curriculum, is it? Yeah. And, and again, this is another thing, you know, you look at the national curriculum for schooling and stuff and lots of the, the education that 
received you know certainly sort of 16 and younger you're using how much of it now what, yeah. what you do your basics oh, obviously yeah. you're, you're using but they don't teach you life skills or, or how to you know become an entrepreneur i suppose in many ways i think that's probably just inside you if you've got that ambition yeah. and appetite to do something then you know you find an industry that you can work within and navigate your way around it understand it and then manipulate it to suit yourself really absolutely i agree 100 on that and it's interesting you say about the school situation I've, one of the things i've taken up since i've come back and based myself full-time in the uk now is I've, I've joined one of the school career program schemes and it's interesting when you talk to some of these the schools about their their sort of career development for children it must be incredibly difficult because you say the, the kids have got this view on life that they want to be an overnight star general massive generalization because i'm sure not all children are like that but this idea of youtube and and an x factor and other can, things out there britain's got talent that give the people this idea that they can you can go on and, and all of a sudden become an overnight talent whereas you and i know that actually 99 percent of people whatever career they're in whether it's even in those scenarios youtube and and I know you know some very famous YouTubers. Those those people take a long time to become an overnight success. They start putting out content. They start putting out stuff that takes them a long time to get there. And in the same way that you and I have done on, on business front, you take it takes a long time to get from the entry level to a point where your business is such that you're, you know, reaping the rewards well, of it. It's not nothing well, happens overnight. Nobody sees the graveyard shift today. They just yeah. measure you on the success that they've seen moving forward. So totally yes. understand that. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's it's society, unfortunately, and just yeah. going back to how certainly the millennials, if you want to call them that, you know, the children born sort of post 2000, these guys, and it's not their fault, they're a, they're a product of their environment. They've got mm. social media on their fingertips, they've got the world on their fingertips now. Mm. When I was at school, I just about had a mobile, I think, as I was coming out the back end of it, and it was a yeah. 3310, and it had Snake. That was the most it had. That yeah. was literally it. So these yeah. guys, you know, six, seven, eight up, yeah. They've got smartphones. They can yeah. do anything they want at the fingertips, you know, and it yeah. does. I, personally, I think it um, elevates children and gives them a platform to express themselves mm. at a younger age, granted. But I also think it takes away some of the groundings that you need and you use in your adult life and the experiences you pull upon, yeah. you know, just, just, just doing simple things like mucking about on your bike down the stream or in the brook and, and yeah. climbing trees and all this sort of stuff you know that, yeah. that's that's how you build who you are your persona yeah. so yeah there's lots of there's pros and cons don't get me wrong the world's moved on massively since i was at school and i don't know how old you are Adrian. in my in my 40s now unfortunately in, tipping over the coin <laughs> we won't be so specific but yeah no. you know again i mean you were at school it's very different very yeah. different environment very different world you know certainly yeah. for, for children so i do you know and, and is that directly linked to is that directly linked to the social anxiety side of things the mental health issue mm -hmm. stuff you know are you growing your children up too quickly you know, yeah. are they not actually having an opportunity to be a child you know, I know it's going very deep and into some stuff uh, that's not construction related but no, it's you know, it I think back it's to what we do we partner with the with the academies. You know, we work, we try and work with the schoolings. There's, a, there's an academy around where we are head office in Wolverhampton, and we go in and do talks. And like I say, we can we can specifically tell you they're not interested in construction, and that and that that is going to create a labour gap at some point. So yeah. how do we how do we as responsible business owners work on that? You know, this yeah. is what we're doing. We're trying to educate, and I think trying to get into the the children. They want us to get in quite early, sort of about eight, not really eight, so sort of ten to 14 yeah but i think you've got to try and catch them just as they're leaving school they're a little bit more mature 
they've probably done their, they've tried to explore where they want to go and what they want to do, and it hasn't quite worked. So actually, you've got more chance of capturing it. But we're doing some work with, like I said, with the academies and seeing how that goes. But yeah, I, th- I think all, certainly in construction, I think that everybody has a responsibility there. And I'm not saying everybody can be a plaster or a plumber, but try and, you know, bridge that labour shortage because there's one coming for sure. You know, we look at the waves of guys that are retiring in the next 10 years, and I think there's mm. not another one of you coming back through that yeah. I can see who've got your skill set, who can do everything, you know, who yeah. can do build your house. Yeah. and completely fit it out you know they just don't breed them anymore those types of people so yeah how does construction double back to that i don't know and it's that trade you know you say that that and that trade that ability to build a trade from a young age means you can then either add to it and or you know use that trade and get better and, and focus in and get more and more niche in that particular area and become a kind of go-to person and it builds a it does build a lifestyle opportunity for you doesn't it because you can then you can always have that trade to fall back on whatever whatever you then alternatively decide to do. I mean, to a degree, you know, looking at your business, you've, you've built up a, a business that's got a strong core to it in terms of the Blythe Group, but then you've got other ventures that you're then able to, to step out and do because the because the core's got that that st- structure to it, effectively, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So going back to the, the conversation we had a little bit earlier before we, we started recording, you know, I'd be interested to hear a bit more about your last 12 months because it was very interesting because obviously your your business is very involved in, in the insurance sector in terms of supporting successful claims or people who've, who've, who've claimed on their insurance and and obviously covid probably hit at just the wrong time with some of the you're saying about the floods in in the sort of early part of 2020 and then obviously your teams are then operating inside of that sort of response to those claims and then covid hits and you've suddenly got this situation where you've got to try and work within that boundary so how did how did COVID in the last 12 months particularly hit your hit your business and your business operation? Adrian, you're absolutely right. Like I say, I think because we are multifaceted, we and we mentioned previously before recording that you know diversification has been one of the the, the main factors for survival, for sure. Mm. Certainly in our world in construction, having various revenue streams to to rely on when one goes quiet, the other ones pick up or mm. vice versa. So when COVID originally hit, as we said, it, I think March to sort of May time, the world didn't really know. UK, let's just talk UK, but the world mm. didn't really know yeah. how to deal with that. It's never happened before, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, as they say. Well, in the, in the latest civilizations, but yeah, it's never, it's never happened before. They didn't really know how to deal with it. So March was a lockdown. It, it was an official lockdown. And, and you know, as, as, I've, as I've said, the floods did come through. And unfortunately, fire and floods don't know recessions or COVID. They just <laughs> crack on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's how things work. And yeah, we, we had our clients had to go and lobby. And, and I think the insurance industry as a whole had to go and lobby to to central government and the cabinet to sort of say look you know we've got we've got policyholders with properties with no kitchens no bathrooms they're incomplete they're in the middle of works we need to get them into what we would class as a habitable state or mm. livable position yeah. families all the other things so it was yeah. what's the lesser of two evils risk covid or risk health of well yeah. ultimately it's health or risk livelihood and, and so yeah it was granted that we could continue and yeah, we had to carry these sort of little documents that stated that we were, uh, I think it was classed as a key worker, but it was mm. an extension of a key worker. There was a, there was a specific narrative. We ha- it was printed, it was sent to us by yeah. the clients that you must have this on your vehicles or on your person. And, and as I said, I think that March, April, May periods, we, we even had neighbours coming out saying, you shouldn't be working wasn't wasn't yeah. exactly in those types of words yeah i but, can imagine uh, the phrasing wasn't quite that four letter words yeah. included mm. so yeah we we had to just sort of say listen at the end of the day we understand where you're coming from but these this is these here's our documentation and 
in many ways, mind your business, but you know, you have to sort of remember that we have a social and moral responsibility. So yeah, I think March to May was certainly the unknown and, and then for us was the most difficult. And then working through the COVID situation, it's more sort of living with COVID and managing COVID, isn't it? So it's, as a business, you try and manage yourselves and work out what revenue streams can be what can be worked on. As we've said, we, we work for the councils and social uh, landlords and local authorities. So we did a lot with the disabled stuff. So the level access showers, disabled extensions, those guys were actually deemed as high risk, vulnerable in all the categories that were alerted on the government uh, website. So yeah. we had to uh, unfortunately stop works wherever possible on those, bring them to a bring them to a position where we could again safely give them facilities that they could use. So insurance then started to pick back up sort of midsummer. They sort of took a stance that I think the they relaxed the regulations. You could work in customers' homes and people's homes. They tried to keep things moving. And then you've had the imposed, obviously, national lockdowns again. I think there was one in September, October, and then another yeah, one in December. So, again, it's it's difficult. I mean, furlough, you know, certainly from the last, like I said, the last lockdown, 2007 or whenever it was, SMEs were walloped. You know, we felt that's what happened. And then, you know, the focus from Rishi Sunak has been very much around the SMEs because we are the backbone. Yeah. That's what we do. We, we, prop the, we prop the economy up. You know, the, the, the big guys, if you want to call them that, the large corporates that have their taxes paid elsewhere, etc. They've got enough profit to, to ride out some of this. They won't like me saying that, but they have. You know, the, it's the SMEs where it, where it all is. You know, the, the smaller companies, they, they hold the, they prop the economy up. So fair play to the government there that, you know, they did, they did do that. But for those, you know, the, the wage role, the PAYE is a small section, really, of what we are. We've got yeah. static costs, lease costs, rental costs. The demobilization of sites was frustrating because that's not recoverable. So yeah. clearing the site, making sure that's safe and secure across multiple properties, locations, geographical. And then the remobilization. So you've got the, they're like indirect yeah, yeah yeah you know the overhead management the if we made mistakes you've got stuff on hire that we overlooked yeah things that you know and, and to be fair and i'll mention sort of some of the nationals hss and my like they, they were fairly flexible hmm. they're not going to rehire them in many ways so they sort of work with us on on that account settlement but it's just the way it is you know that was just you know like i say we've, we've we managed it as far as i'm concerned we've managed it well because we're still here yeah but yeah, you know, learnings, you know, as I've said previously, everyone's got a degree in hindsight and, you know, there's lots of yeah, things we would do. Yeah, lots of things we would do differently. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I've spoken to a number of people in, in this space, in construction and, and elsewhere that have, you know, similar tales to you, that the, the, the thing came over so quickly that people just didn't know how to react and, and, and trying to keep pace with the changes and the reaction to it and, and all those sort of things. And, and I, I was on a, another conversation a couple of months back and it's, it's the, you know, people have been through recessions and, and I, I get your point about 2008, 2009 or the, the previous recession, if you like, and the help that the government provided was a lot less. But but the but this recession is so different to anything else we've ever been through just because of the fact that people were suddenly locked up and had to go home and in, and in most cases work from home and suddenly just react to that. Whereas before people were going into the offices and doing things. So this idea of having to try and manage disparate teams in different areas and yourself with sites, people on site working, and then perhaps somebody in the office who would normally manage them, not in the office, suddenly working from home. And just those whole sort of scenarios that were so much more complicated as a whole in the last 12 months, it seems like 
as you say, coming through it and you know, everybody's made mistakes. That point about hindsight and, and everybody's got a degree in it, I think is a brilliant idea, brilliant scope comment. But the but that idea of, you know, people have just got made do amended, really. They, people will have made mistakes. Every business has. But you say that, that SME business space, I think the support that that's provided seems to have been good enough. Ideally, it could have yeah. been better, but it always yeah. can be. But I think it's helped that, you know, was it 47% of the economy is an SME? Uh, and it employs you know, such a large percentage of the actual individuals that are out there work that you sit there and go, actually, that's, that needs to be protected, needs to be supported, needs to come back strong after this. So you need to get companies like yourself and, and, and others to, to be out, be able to grow back again as quickly as possible. Yes, yeah, definitely. You know, the, 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 I won't say the literature and, and the information provided. Well, I will. It was, it was ambiguous. You know, on the, on the science, it was fairly contradictory. It had... You know, I understand, you know, you're trying to prevent the economy from grinding to a halt. They identified industries, again, using science, we'll call it science as they like to, to, to use, but uh, using education and science to sort of work out which ones would be least transmittal, if you like, of the COVID virus and how can we keep the economy going. Yeah. You know, fortunately for us, construction was one of those. Whether it was decided in that way, I don't know, or whether it's just because it's the largest largest economy provider, I don't know. But we fortunately fell in that bracket, and and as you said, you know, we working our way through it. Nobody's been in that position before, so lots of mistakes made, but again, lots of good decisions we did. You know, we we, we did move very quickly. We had to react, and I think that's one of the positives of being an SME. You are nimble. Yeah. You can react. You can do stuff. You can move. You haven't got to go to seven layers of board, sign off, and Although we have to have sign off an agreement, but you know, it's very quick, snappy yeah. decisions, reactive, nimble, like I've said. So that's also been a, 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 a positive and, and probably one of the main reasons how we've managed to keep ourselves going. And I don't like to say, you know, it sorts the wheat from the chaff in many ways, because I think that's unfair, but I do, I do agree that there is merit behind that because if if you can navigate your way through this you can come out of this stronger you can come out of this in a more positive way there's more appetite there's more work to go at post this world if it, if there ever is a post covid i don't know whether it's just going to be living with covid i don't know i mean they're already making noises about other strains and masks yeah. for another two years all this sort of stuff so <clears throat> i suppose living with covid is the hopefully it gets to a point where we can just manage it as part of the background noise i mean there are there's been other illnesses the flu example you know that people quote has been there for a while and people deal with it and manage it so it's probably hopefully that we can get to that stage with, with covid but i think you're right i mean going back to the business point of view the, the idea of of looking at your business and saying, okay, we've got to we've got to get right things in the business and taking, you know, I think quite a lot of the people who come out will come out of COVID positively will have taken the dra- the steps you've taken and also taken a look at the business in terms of, you know, what stuff have we been doing that perhaps we don't need to keep doing? Can we can we take some of this stuff, you know, can we keep those reporting lines tighter? Can we make the, the things around the edges that we're probably not core but we've been doing because we just fell into them? Can we just get rid of those and focus on what we do as a business because that's almost where you need to i meant to comment something to the other day i think a lot of companies last year kind of got into this idea of to put it into a medical perspective they went into the triage scenario you know you've got it's the, the body's potentially dying we need to do as much as we can to save the the core and deal with deal with that first and then anything else that we've got afterwards we'll, tr- we'll treat those as we need to so as a business you get into the idea of right okay what do we need to do to make things success or to keep things going frankly I think a few companies I've spoken to have almost seen it as a benefit's the wrong word, but seen it as a way of, of almost taking it's stock. 
it's opportunity like you said you know it's having an opportunity to reflect on your processes and actually sort of thinking well if i didn't do that for six months would anything happen to the business no so do i actually need to do that and the answer is probably no so yeah you're absolutely right there was elements of that reflecting on what we do personally you know included there was was, you you fall into these weekly habits or 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 what have you and you you do you just could continuously you know you're evolving but and i think you know i'm not one for putting the process in for the one out of the hundred that goes wrong but you do do that in business you do do find yourself putting processes in for processes and actually very quickly i think what covid has definitely taught us is um yeah, there's the stuff that yeah. you can cut out and still have an effective, streamlined, profitable business for sure. No, absolutely. So, so then moving forward on to the, the the sunlit uplands of the recovery from COVID and post-COVID. So, how do you see the the, the future in in your particular space? And we've talked before about the, the, the sort of the, the work you're doing outside of the business in terms of the education space. So, how how do you see the future going? And how do you see the things in the next few months and next years and stuff going for your business and the bar? Yeah, it's a good question. It's very difficult to probably answer this stage but we've sort of focused on making sure we've got continuity of work so by that i mean contractual work we, we all we've never worked well we have worked for the general public but lots of our work is client driven contract driven continuity driven you know by default really by those contracts but we've learned that they can still be stopped they can still be postponed for things outside of our control i.e covid so i think by us trying to create that perpetual motion of wheels within wheels developer companies feeding the construction companies feeding the recruitment company if you like so it's just trying to create that internal combustion that keeps keeps us going so we don't become solely dependent on clients we actually become in many ways self-dependent whilst having a nice diverse mix of those clients and key clients again we've reflected lots of the stuff that we spoke about earlier about reflection is we actually reflected on some of our clients you know payment terms for instance we thought well actually we don't want to work for you anymore mm. because your payment terms are just not advantageous for us we just don't want to work for you anymore yeah. we don't understand why again it just comes out of i suppose greed and chasing turnover actually yeah. do you need to do that yeah, yeah. Absolutely. you know when, they, when it comes to cash flow you've got no business have you so if you haven't got cash you haven't, you haven't got a business so we've, we we we've assessed that and we've reduced our client base, move forward with people that we want to work with, mm. whilst also doubling up with our own sort of our own internal motion of creating mm. our own clients internally, creating our own work. Yeah. And again, not solely reliant upon other businesses. Well, yeah, that, and that gives you that kind of ability to, as you say, pick the, 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 what's the, the, the kind of kit, work with good clients, keep working with good clients and build on, build more of those because it makes, makes sense for the business if you can get, you know, if you're getting bad payment terms, then as you say, cash is automatically going to be the, the biggest issue well, of any business when you're trying to chase the business going forward. You're trying to big, big, get bigger, but actually you can get better by being smaller, if that makes sense, by not having all these different companies that aren't paying you quite as well. Because, you know, what's the, what's the phrase? Think, in profits? It's correct, yeah. So a little bit of that, I think so. It's very difficult. Again, you know, there's a balance there between obviously mitigating or, or doing away with some of the clients that we didn't want to work with and also ensuring that we weren't laying people, too many people off. We had the mm. furlough balance, you know, that was all that sort of overhead structure, making sure that we had enough work to cover what we, you know, our, our commitments, if you like. We were very conscious about letting people go. And yes, we have had to use the furlough scheme. I, I don't think there's a business out there that probably hasn't. No. So yeah. um, I'm not ashamed to say that in any way, shape or form. You know, that's exactly what it was there for. It was to support businesses, SMEs yeah. specifically, but businesses, you know, on yeah. their on their payroll. So yes, whilst we were very... I suppose we're fairly ruthless with 
with clients. And when when you're trading in a normal world, pre pre COVID world, you just sort of accept. Certainly in construction, you accept the poor payment terms, you accept the debt chasing, you accept mm. all these things that come from a finance perspective. But actually what that's done is it's just put COVID's put that back into perspective and said, well, why do we accept it just because it's construction? We shouldn't mm. accept it. You know, why yeah. should we work with you when you're rolling up a, a healthy debt balance over there when these yeah. guys are paying on the nail all the time? Yeah. No issues. So, yeah, we've just turned our focus to, to where it needs to be really and like i said i think it gives you an opportunity to realign and reassess where you're at absolutely and a reset i suppose the reset is is a, is a good way to, to phrase that up really it's it's a business reset and go again you know like you say do you have to chop an arm off to save the body then sometimes you have to do that yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and one of the things we were chatting about before this um, was the work you're doing with with schools and some of the challenges you see going forward in terms of this this pipeline of, of skill in the market in terms of you know we have a, a, a population in the construction space that are aging those people with the holistic skills are sort of coming to the end of their career perhaps and they're not being being replaced i know you're working with with some some of the academies locally around your your head office i mean how do you feel that how, how do you see that kind of progression coming the sort of the, the youtube generation coming into construction i see it as a i genuinely feel that's a problem i feel mm-hmm. it's a problem coming through yeah we, we, we're definitely seeing the what's coming through is not replacing what's going out the door basically yeah. the, the quality of the guys just down to mentality I, I think is is one thing but also yes you know that comes with age wisdom all the other things that you know it's not comparing apples with apples if you like you can't compare a time served 65 year old multi-trade guy who has all the ability and skills in the world with a young fresh-faced person that comes out of college school or whatever I understand that but you know just just by listening. So, so we, we do a, a fairly simple apprenticeship scheme, buddy them up with some of the most time-served guys and girls in the business and let them assess things. And the feedback is very, very, it, it's, it's, it's almost 100% of the time is the head's in the clouds. You know, they, mm. they, don't, they don't really want construction. They're just doing it because their parents have told them they've got to do it or they've got nothing else to do. Mm. You know, trying to re-educate the generations coming through that construction is, it, it, it's the backbone of, of most mm. civilizations. where there's, if there's cranes in cities, cities are doing well, that's how it goes. As soon as cranes goes, you know, that's it. Absolutely. That's, the economy's crashing. So understanding that, you know, I think it's, it is difficult. You know, we are, we, we, we were very focused on this pre-COVID. Obviously it has dropped off heavily during covid because that's just a, a byproduct unfortunately of, of where we are but yeah, we, we will be picking that back up and, and and in many ways we'll be looking back at you know reigniting our conversations on the academy ourselves physically doing an academy ourselves and seeing whether we can pilot that with with the, the local schools near our head office and if successful we can roll it out to our other locations but yeah it's selfishly i think we have to do what we need to do as a business to survive and keep and understand where we are for the next five years and then off that is you have to keep one eye on your other business activities and forward planning and labor for construction is critical if you've got you can have all the management processes and paperwork and and site managers you want if you physically haven't got labor to deliver it it's done so Uh, you know and from from a point of view of the future proofing of of a, a career if you like you look at some of these sectors and you think well you know, could a, could a inverted commas computer do some of this stuff? And there's actually quite a lot of businesses that you could say, yeah, I mean, you know, MySpace recruitment, you could argue that 
in, in a few years' time, you could have a Tinder app or something equivalent to to kind of do a lot of the recruitment stuff because it's because it's a process that can therefore be be sort of developed on. But you're you're talking hands and feet on the ground. You've got to have that in construction. You can't. There's no there's no additional way you could do that. You can. You've got to have those people. You've got to have those trades being able to install that stuff and build that information that uh, that I facility. Think, I think I think there's I think there's opportunity potentially in the new build. We looked at some stuff around actually building printing and where you were in the UAE hmm. and out that neck of the woods. They are definitely they definitely have that type of technology and piloting it right now. Yeah. So I know that that's being done. But where it doesn't fit in is refurb. You know, for instance, car parts. You know, you've got. That lots of that is automated, but you don't have a product code for every single. You've got properties that date 100, 150, 200 years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How can you have a product code for every single piece of skirting board or, yeah. or radiator? It's too far away. Yeah. I think the end goal is is somewhere in the middle. I think there will be there will be some influence yeah. there for sure. Artificial intelligence. I mean, there's all these smart products coming in. I know that you know you've got washing machines. I'll tell you, this is about to leak and <laughs> oh, that's yeah, about yeah. to happen, and and all this is going off. So, yeah. the insurance world is definitely moving in that direction. But from a from a, a local authority council and refurbishment space where they are, they're still very. I won't call it archaic, but it, it's definitely boots on the ground. We yeah. need trades. This is how it is. So mitigation in insurance is where artificial intelligence and all that sort of stuff comes from, you know, yeah. reducing the likelihood of a, of a peril or an issue. That's the influence. So the reduction in trades is, I suppose, it's, it's going to happen. And yeah. then, you know, keeping up with property stock in the, from the social housing space, that's a continuation. You know, like oh, yeah. those frameworks, they, they will continue. So yeah. and like you say, you're going to need boots on the ground for that. So yeah. that trained people and, you know, I'm really impressed that you the idea of you, you and your own academy and, and sort of almost controlling your own destiny by bringing those people in through your your own controllable space that yeah, you, so, can so then, you can then feed into your business and, and perhaps then and with the recruitment business you operate and things like that. We've got quite a lot of father-son, father-daughter combinations coming through our business, which is great because that, that is oh, yeah. giving you know, the vast amounts of knowledge and experience because it'd be a, it'd be a real shame to allow those types of people to finish their career without passing down their experience and knowledge it's just a pure waste so if we can pull on that resource pull on that knowledge pull on that experience and and like you say harness that with the youth yeah what we have found is the guys that we have convinced to sort of come on board and we've got several success stories several of them that that have gone through i can think of a gas fitter now that started with us as a 16 year old apprentice and now he's a fully qualified gas engineer with his own van and he's off So, I mean, that's just one that I can think of right now, but there's there's a fair amount of examples. And, you know, once you actually get hold of the individuals, Mm. male or female, because we have got quite a lot of young girls, decorating girls specifically, but Mm. seem to go into decorating more so than anything. And again, that, you know, that is that just a bit of re-education. I don't know, or bricklayer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter. So, yes, that was a massive focus for us pre-COVID. But like I say, I think it was, the focus had to be more specific around survival. That yeah. that stuff is sort of almost like the niceties of business. How do we focus on yeah. the next five to ten years of what we do? It was yeah. more about focusing on the next five weeks in COVID. <laughs> yeah. How do we survive? Was yeah. was the you know the focus? So yeah, it's just picking that back up. You know, yeah. uh, and when the time's right, we will. You know, when you're triaging the patient, you don't worry about the, the whether they're going to be fit or not. You know, whether they're going to run a marathon afterwards. When you've got them back on their feet, and then they're back into the world of you know, growth and development, then that's when you start to think about the future in terms of, you know, okay, 
maybe a marathon down the future and, you know, say in your case, the, the academy and the skills coming forward. Well, Robbie, thank you very much. That's been a really, really um, interesting conversation and chat. And we've gone over quite a number of areas there and it's been really useful to to get involved with, with that chat to you. Just in terms of, of finding you, I suspect if people wanted to link up with you, they can they could do through LinkedIn or, or wherever. LinkedIn's probably best. Yeah, yeah thanks, Adrian. Yeah. No worries at all. And uh, again, thank you very much for your time. It's been really useful to uh, to get an insight onto the Blythe Group and your, and your business. Thank you very much. No, no problem. Great speaking. Thanks, Adrian. <laughs>